I'm filming. You can go for it. A few years back, a video of a sea turtle went viral. The turtle, discovered off the coast of Costa Rica, had something sticking out of its nose. Bless you. The turtle was sneezing and clearly was in pain. One of the marine biologists that found the turtle whipped out a Swiss army knife and began tugging at whatever was lodged inside. And while they made a few guesses as to what it was... You know what this is? What is it? Brain? That's a worm. This really only became clear once it was about halfway out. Yeah, what plastic was. Plastic? Is it a straw? Don't tell me it's a freaking no. straw. Quickly, the bloodied turtle with a plastic straw up its nose became the poster child for the fight against single-use plastic straws. Campaigns and initiatives soon popped up all around the world, protesting the use of straws in restaurants, cafes, pubs and clubs to save the turtles. Starbucks is officially eliminating plastic straws. The pressure comes from environmental activists calling for McDonald's to stop using plastic straws, which pollute the ocean. In Australia, the ABC's War on Waste series took this to heart as well. McChokey, my plastic straw turtle, and I went to McDonald's headquarters in Sydney to challenge the bosses to remove straws from their more than 900 Australian restaurants. But in countries like the US and Canada, these pledges have gone a step further to introducing legal bans of plastic straws, something Michaela Evans from Vancouver has been following closely. About a year ago, they decided to propose a straw ban for all sort of public spaces, so like your restaurants and cafes and things. This ban will also include like all the smaller places that before would have their own choice on what they chose to do. While a straw ban hasn't yet passed as law, Michaela says most people and venues around Vancouver are acting like it has. Some people will want to tell you how wonderful they are and that they're saving turtles by not having them. I'm just getting my coffee cup in its disposable plastic cup, but I'm not taking a straw. But something the individual can feel good about, I guess. But what these straw bans completely fail to recognise is the simple fact that some people might need plastic straws. How often do you use straws? Every day. We're trying to get people to understand our point of view on this issue, and everyone's just looking at it as this cut-and-dry, it-doesn't-matter-if-we-get-rid-of-them kind of issue. But in reality, a lot of us depend on it. This is Think Sustainability. I'm Jake Morecambe. Today on the show, how straw bans discriminate against disability. But before we continue, I do have a question about language. Simon Darcy, professor of social inclusion at the University of Technology, Sydney, 
says there are different ways people identify when it comes to disability. The UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disability uses person-first language. Meaning they identify as a person with a disability, which is how Simon identifies. I align myself with person-first language. But others identify as disabled. So they'll use disabled person as a signifier that at this point in time in this society, uh, we are not to the point of being able to do what we want to do because of social, cultural, political environment in the same way that other groups use language and then reclaim it. In this episode, you'll hear both. Now, on with the show. What happens if you ban plastic straws? It makes it incredibly difficult as a disabled person. Michaela has spinal muscular atrophy and uses an electric wheelchair. She says plastic straws are a helpful and important drinking tool. I commute two to three hours a day to get to work, and I like having coffee in the morning so I don't fall asleep on my commute. And it's getting more and more difficult to be able to access my coffee with a straw and go out with friends after work and not think about it and go to a bar and have a beer in a heavy glass cup and I can't lift it off the table. It's making it like a lot more challenging and a lot more judgmental when you have to go out of your way to ask for a straw and then people tell you that they don't have one and then they don't believe in it and oh they don't want to hurt the turtles. To make things worse, Michaela says people will often throw plastic straw alternatives in disabled people's faces. Why don't these alternatives work? So many of them just aren't, I guess, universal. A lot of the arguments whenever I say that I have to use plastic straws is that, oh, well, there's all these compostable options. But in reality, they're meant only for short periods of time for cold drinks. And I need it now to access coffee and other hot drinks. And as soon as I try to use those, they melt in my drink. So when I do have to use them because it's my only option, I end up probably ingesting all kinds of gross chemicals. And at the same time, those compostable versions that are out right now and that they are using here to justify not using plastic ones aren't even compostable because we don't have the infrastructure to heat them to the certain level that they need to be heated to decompose. So even though they're switching to this alternative that doesn't work for disabled people, it's also no better for the environment because it's still going to end up in landfills and oceans. Metal and reusable straws also aren't the quick fix many paint them out to be. For myself, I only have certain types of reusable cups that I can use or disposable cups when I go to, say, a coffee shop. And those don't fit any kind of reusable straws because... They have a very small opening to drink your coffee, and none of the options for these reusable ones will fit that. Reusable straws are also difficult to clean. They're difficult to clean out, and then I also don't have the dexterity to try and clean out a straw properly when I get to work. It's going to sit with milk and coffee in it, and that's probably not very sanitary. And for some, they're a hazard. 
they're a danger for some people who maybe have spasming in their mouth and will bite down on something that's metal or glass and could break. You have issues of heat not conducting well in certain types. You have issues of it not being bendable. So people who need something to bend to a certain position for either how they sit or the fact that they need to access drinks laying down. Using the plastic straws with the bendy end, Simon Darcy says helps with what he calls the millimetre issue. So literally my reach, uh, and depending on the day and what I'm wearing, I have things positioned within literally millimetres because of the level of my spinal cord injury. The straw is good from my perspective. It saves me having to lean as far and I can be more independent around that. I do everything I possibly can each day not to have to either have somebody with me to help me or ask for people's assistance all the time. And plastic straws are a part of that? Plastic straws help me keep that level of independence. Sure, I can use a metal straw. There's a real problem with anything hot. But as I said, I am using one with a bend in it and it's the only option that I've got in that sense. It's also quite bizarre because it's not just necessarily people saying ban straws. When people are pushing for a straw ban, plastic straws seemingly get people, mostly able-bodied people, really riled up. Why, why do you think that is? I guess those like images of turtles that go around where they have them stuck in their nose and things like that makes people really upset. What we're seeing here is you know, really shallow environmentalism. They're, they're making a change that really has no impact on their lifestyle um, and they can become a bit evangelistic about it. Vancouver tries to sort of paint itself as a very eco-friendly city. But, you know, what if this was shifted to disposable nappies? You know, how would people react to that? These straw bands, Michaela says, have sparked a new term in the disability community, something called eco-ableism. That's something that's really come out of this straw movement and other eco-movements that harm disabled people. I just see it as another symptom of these movements that don't take disabled people into account whatsoever. Eco-ableism is the ableist nature of the environmental movement, where ableism is the discrimination against disabled people. Michaela believes this is exactly what's happening with the straw ban, where in Vancouver, there was absolutely no consultation with the disability community. Why do you think there was no initial consultation? They just didn't consider it. We so often get overlooked as a community. People just assume that a straw is just an easy accessory that you can toss aside and not need. Since talk of a straw ban started, Michaela has visited a number of different venues that either haven't understood why she needs a straw or given her attitude for asking. Do you think things like the straw ban craft this ableist narrative that disabled people are against the environment? Definitely. 
I think that's like a long standing thing in our history that our disability needs are done in a very disposable way. Like everything's more expensive, more disposable, more specialty, like in air quotes, that everything that we need is sort of extra and special. And the fact that we need something that they've deemed bad and that they've deemed like cruel to the environment is definitely seen in a very different light and definitely a negative light by a lot of people. Simon Darcy says he's noticing similar attitudes beginning to brew here in Australia. I was just wondering if you saw the War on Waste episode from the ABC about straws about a year ago that was hashtag straw no more. It was it was interesting because uh, last year I was up in Cairns and Palm Cove in June and that was all driven by a, uh, was a 12 or 14-year-old schoolgirl from the Cairns area. Molly Steer started Straw No More, a pledge to get not only her school but schools all around the country to ban plastic straws from canteens. Last year, she was featured on the ABC's War on Waste series. I did see that. And, and look, nothing against the, the, the lass that did that. And she was doing it for, for the turtles. And that's, yeah, that's very nice. But you don't see all the issues that are around that. One of Simon's major concerns is how a straw ban could extend to the hospital environment. Where people, you know, require straw use because of the positions they're in and where they need to drink from and those, those sorts of things. This is something that Michaela says is already playing out in Vancouver. Even though we don't have an implemented ban here, you can't access straws in some of our hospitals. And, like, that's what straws were designed for. So there's people saying that they're going to our Vancouver hospitals and not being able to access a usable straw. It's basically as if it's implemented here. There's so few straws available, but it's just not legally, technically in place yet. Michaela says straw bans discriminate against disability, not only by taking them away, but by piling the responsibility on disabled people to take straws wherever they go. Having to carry around a reusable straw, I carry around a lot of medical equipment and trying to find a small straw at the bottom of my purse under other things and under my workbooks and things is incredibly difficult when I'm like bending over to try and get into my purse and be able to get myself back up when I don't have a lot of strength. The aspect of having to put the onus on disabled people to carry around a reusable straw and be able to clean it properly and be able to find it, that puts so much extra labor on me. Does this go beyond straws? Yeah. The fact that it's more difficult for us to carry around, like, reusable mugs because, like, the only place I can put things is in my purse and if I have a huge heavy mug I'm not going to be able to lift it back out and living in an area like Vancouver where everyone's trying to be as eco-friendly as possible not always having reusable things on you is definitely looked down upon sometimes and it's definitely a lot easier and more accessible for me to buy every disposable coffee cup than haul around a really heavy mug. 
How do you view the environmental movement more broadly if these narratives exist? I've always been someone who tries to do my part. Like, I've always recycle everything I possibly can and go out of my way to do my part. And I feel terrible that I have to use them all the time. But I also recognize that there are certain limitations to that as a disabled person. And I wish that everyone could see that to the same extent, and they definitely don't. While there's no denying single-use plastics carry an environmental toll, Simon Darcy believes there are a plethora of pressing climate issues we could be focusing on that aren't discriminatory. Whether it's improving the circular economy, improving recycling efforts, going to products that have got much longer lifestyle. I mean, some of the supply chain issues around some of these fashion, use and get rid of fashion chains are just quite shocking when I first heard them. And we just need some creativity and thought around things rather than being a, you know, a society from an access perspective of computer says no. Michaela is just one in a sea of disabled people pushing back against the Vancouver straw ban. It's helped me see that, like, no, it's not okay for people to be rolling their eyes and telling you that you're contributing to killing turtles when you just want to drink a coffee like anyone else. But just last week, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau proved he wasn't listening. My friends, Canada is an important player in the larger global movement to reduce plastic pollution. And now we'll take an essential next step with a number of new measures. I'm very pleased to announce that as early as 2021, Canada will ban harmful single-use plastics from coast to coast to coast. This is what it means to innovate for the future, protect the environment, and grow the middle class. Think Sustainability is made possible with the support of 2SER, the University of Technology Sydney, and is heard around Australia via the Community Radio Network. Think Sustainability is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jake Morecambe. Thanks for your company.